0: This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon as the basis for investment decisions. Podcast guests and their clients may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Hello and welcome to another week of the Three Wise Monkeys podcast, a weekly podcast that's all about the markets and investing. My name's Andrew Page, founder of strawman.com and today I'm joined by Mr. Claude Walker from ethicalequities.com.au. How are you going, Claude?
1: I'm well, thanks. Hello, listeners.
0: It's only two wise monkeys this week.
1: Yes, that's right. Uh, Matt, the uh, wisest of the monkeys, is over in New New Zealand doing something he calls research.
0: land of the long white cloud.
1: Yeah, but Andrew, if Matt's the wisest of the monkeys and I'm the youngest of the monkeys, what are you?
0: <laughs> I'm the best looking of the monkeys. Oh, so he can, I go, can I go with that?
1: Well, you know, we'll let it pass. We'll let
0: that one pass. Mate, what are we going to talk about today?
1: Uh, well, uh, first on the agenda is Altium, which is obviously done really well. Wow. And uh, there was some very bullish comments from the CEO uh, around the most recent results. So you're gonna run us through that. Yep. Then um I'll touch on 1300 smiles, which is a far less exciting business. Uh, but one that I like but and a quiet achiever yeah i think it's good anyway so i'll touch on it's results which it also which it released this morning yep and then we're going to uh look of some of the other sort of broader results for companies that might tell us something about the more general economy and and what developments are coming out of that yeah
0: nice one yeah we have had a few results this earnings season that sort of paint a bit of a picture there and particularly there's been a a few references to property so i think that's that's worth uh, digging into but altium now before we start mate do you own any shares in altium
1: no and i've actually never owned it so i'm a real idiot for that Uh, but you know if if you don't own Altium shares, which are up, you know, a good twenty percent or more today, uh, don't feel bad. You're not the only one. I'm also <laughs> missing out on the fun.
0: It's it's one of those things that kind of it's for a while. It's sort of you know, particularly the value investors amongst us. It looks very expensive, and it just well, it always does, and it, it continues to to look that today. But I think that's that's cost you and I a lot of money. Okay, over but years. before
1: we do our traditional uh, waxing of lyrical about the share price movements. Uh, what does Altium do?
0: These guys uh, generate software. Uh, well, they do a few things actually, but the, the majority of their revenue comes from software that helps in the design of PCBs, printed circuit boards. So, in this modern day and age, I think pretty much anything that has a, an electrical uh, input will have a PCB inside of it. Helps the, it's the brains of of, of the uh, device. And you know, with the Internet of Things and just pretty much you know the the technology of things, um, these things are ubiquitous and ed- everywhere and these guys have been around actually since about 1985 would you believe and they've had a wild ride in that time they were at eight cents at one point about 15 odd years ago Uh, so for those that counting along at home that's about a 450x return for anyone who had the the you know foresight to buy it back then Um, but yeah that's basically what they do Um, they've also got some parts divisions they've got some other divisions as well but that's basically what they're doing
1: and And so they so basically the the meta theme here is that they can ride on the trend towards automation and having basically more electronics in everything and they also have software so it's sort of this sort of recurring revenue way of hitching a sale to that particular wind which is honestly I can't believe I didn't buy it this is what I I was
0: saying to you before which is crazy because when you go through the checkbox of things that we like to look for it meets all of them so you know capital light check highly scalable check super strong balance sheet. Cheap check massive amounts of recurring revenue check huge long growth runway check 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 check, check. and it, it's it's just sort of like it meets every possible criteria we have It even so, gushes cash and pays a dividend despite very so much why, being a growth so why company. don't
1: we own it i mean usually when matt buys a stock we uh, think about buying it too i know matt uh,
0: recommended it in the past does he own it as well
1: i'm I don't know what he owns right I, now.
0: I, I'll claim that. So, here's, here's the spot. He I did, I did it recommend anyway. it for and, and then I, I said, it looks a little bit expensive. And I think it was around 15 or so. So, you know, egg on face, well and truly. But yeah, Super, good I on, remember we, good on, we both
1: mate. liked it around $2. Uh, my problem was, I think I put in an order, which then missed out on being filled by probably 20, 30 cents at the time, which might have been about 10%. Yeah. yeah. And I thought, oh, bummer. I'm I'm, it, I'm. 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 I've missed it. I just. Oh my god! The yeah. most expensive thought uh, to have had. Well, I should have just bid up at least to buy a smaller holding. Yeah, yeah. I think. I don't know why I don't take my own advice. Usually in this sort of situation, I say if you'd like to own shares in a company, but you, it's just a little bit above the price you want to pay, then just slightly re- reduce your order size and buy it. Buy some anyway. Generally speaking,
0: unless there's liquidity issues, I just do market orders. Like frankly, you know, if if you're. If your, if your investment thesis rests on the difference between you know ten cents or something like that, or you, you, it, it's you, you're never going to be that precise. So for, for me, it's kind of like you know wh- back. Let's say you did buy it at two dollars and it turned out to be a terrible investment and it went to a dollar eventually. Now whether you bought it at two bucks, one ninety, two ten, really, what's the difference? And, and vice versa, if, if things happen to as they have, gone very very well uh, also. But
1: look, anyway, we, so we, digress, we digress. Why is the share price up twenty percent today? So, so let's let's put this in context too. This
0: this isn't a penny stock that's gone up twenty percent. This is a four point three something billion dollar company okay, that's it, gone up twenty percent. So answer it's, the question. It's really amazing. Man. So they had, they had, um, they had the results. Uh, they were really good. Revenue growth was twenty four percent. So they have long stated this target. We want to be hitting. 200 million US in revenue by 2020. On a trailing 12-month basis, they're about 155, 160 odd. So they, they're they're going to not only meet that target, I suspect they'll they'll handily beat that target as well. So that's nice. I always like to see a, an ambitious target likely to be met and then exceeded. But it gets even better, Claude, my friend. Um, it, the margin, the EBITDA margin that they've has been increasing steadily over the years, and they've been targeting about 35%. Well, they're already ahead of that, 36.7%. So that just reveals this lovely operating leverage in the business. In fact, the company came out today and they offered a new aspirational target. So for 2025, they are now saying that we want to be able to do US $500 million in revenue. But wait, there's more. We think we can be doing about 40% in terms of an EBITDA margin. Um, 40%. Now, just to just to help put that in, into context, for a business that has been growing at pretty strong double digit rates for a while, it's saying over over the next seven years or so, we think we can maintain 20% top line growth. Um, And you do the maths on that margin expansion as well. You're actually getting between the last full years results and what they're saying they think they can do at 2025, close enough to 25% compound growth in annual profit over the next seven years. So there's a lot more detail in all of that, but the market basically saw that and went, holy moly, Buy, 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 buy. So and, and, and
1: I've watched this thing go up and up and up, not owning, and I've always said, "Oh, don't chase it, don't chase it, don't give into fear of missing out." Is it time for me to just buy some and, and put myself out of my misery? There's
0: probably something to be said for doing the whole FOMO trade. It's just like even if it's just like a tiny, tiny amount, just so you can feel good that you're at least on this trade. Oh, I'm in it to uh, win it,
1: man. I don't want to like put a tiny amount on a thing just to feel good. Well, like. here, here, I'm gonna,
0: I'm gonna give you my perspective, and I'm gonna say before I say it, take this with a massive grain of salt because I have long argued that as much as I love this company, and I do, I think it's one of the best on the ASX, I've never been able to get my head around the valuation. And despite that being, you know, such a massive amount of egg on my face, I'm going to make that case again. So let me put some numbers... Ah,
1: the perpetually long, wrong case. <laughs> let us hear it again. Maybe I'll be right eventually. A I've been wrong many times before. <laughs> so, but here's what I think. Yeah, I'm,
0: I, I did I did significantly increase my valuation, having done a bit of number crunching this morning. I and think it's probably worth it. Uh, is uh, that 26. on man? It is on yeah, man. Yeah. yeah, go check it out. $26, $27 bucks a share. Um, uh, but the... The price to sales on a trailing 12 month basis uh, is about $20. That's uh, pretty high. Um, the PE is about 67 uh, I think it's a real mistake to focus too much on PEs for fast growing um, uh, growth companies. Um, uh, and then there's a lot of, you know, we, we both hold shares in Prometicus take a drink, listeners, uh, uh. which also has an eye-watering um, uh, PE as well. But just to put that into context, I think a really good leveler here is to look at other wonderful companies, uh, technology companies, and see how they're priced. And we've talked before about Google. Your your US strategy is buy Google, um, which I think has a lot of merit to it. You know, Google is growing its top line at about 20% last year. Well, its PE is 26, and it trades on a price to sales of a bit over 55 or so. Yeah. So, again, that... You know, there there are different companies. There's different circumstances here. Makes me want to buy more Google. It, do you know what I mean? That was my first thought as well. But it's I so I'm in this I'm in this funny zone of thinking. I've been wrong before. I'm overthinking this, but I really I really 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 struggle to make sense of it. So let you know I, I try a thought exercise, and you say let's assume they hit their 20. A 25 target let's assume that the margin is what they expect and let's assume that the market maintains a very very robust multiple at that point in time Mm. you know again it's hard to do this um uh, in an audio environment. But again, you sort of run some numbers through, you make some assumptions on that. And I still think that it's one could be potentially a situation where certainly you're not going to lose any money, but the r- average compound returned for a shareholder might only be six or seven percent. And that's not enough so for the me risk to get excited. Not,
1: st- not stacking up for you, but Hey, you know, it's surprise to the upside before. So take everything Andrew says with a grain massive of salt. <laughs> grain of, massive grain Sorry, of salt. Massive grain of No, it's, it's, it's um, so true. So. Yeah. Look, I'm in the same boat. Uh, Looks like a really high-quality company, though, so it's definitely one that we'll keep following along, and if there's ever some sort of big market-wide sell-off, it might be one that you'd add to your shopping list.
0: I would I would argue, just quickly before we move on to it's one of those ones that you could pretty much say is, you've got to be careful when you use this term, but as close as recession-proof as you can probably get, um, its exposure to the Aussie economy is very, very, very minimal. 58 million US cash in the bank, uh, zero debt, uh, huge amounts of free cash flow thrown off, um, uh, lots of recurring re- revenue. So if Australia got into a bit of trouble, we might talk about this in just a moment. Um, this is a business that uh, share price might be impacted, but the fundamentals are not going to feel much. Yeah, of that it's a global
1: business. Anyway, it's a great. Uh, it's always good to see Australian companies succeed on a world stage. That's um, basically what we what we should be trying to do. Hundred percent. Okay. Moving on. All right. What's next? A less global business. Okay. uh, Less exciting one. So, uh, you know... And by less
0: global, you mean just not global? Not at all global.
1: (laughs) Only in Australia and barely out of Queensland. Yep. So, this is 1300 Smiles. It is a company that owns a bunch of dental clinics. Okay. It uh, has dentists working in those clinics. A dentist... Leading the company, I believe. Yeah, in, in indeed. Um, Daryl Holmes, he's been the CEO and founder for its entire listed life.
0: Met him before, actually. Really genuine guy.
1: I think he's a very nice guy and I enjoy his uh, attitude to writing um, his regular company reports. He always has a little bit of uh, discussion of policy matters that might interest him, uh, which I yeah. think is quite funny and, and, I, and I enjoyed his thoughts on uh, the franking credit reforms in this particular report. Nice, uh, but uh, we should to the talk core-
0: about that actually next week. Let's let's make a reminder to do that.
1: Anyway, so the the, the actual business is ba- basically expanding into uh, new dental practices. You then get dentists. You find. Um, hopefully the best dentists you can find that will work in those clinics. Mm. You share the revenue with them.
0: Is it a franchise model? Or no, it's not a franchise mm-hmm.
1: model. They own the clinic. They own the brand. They own everything. They just have a dentist working in there. So, it's an employee arrangement. It's not employee-related. Oh. Well, there can be contractors. Okay. There are some employee dentists, yep. but generally, I think the preferred model is that they're contractors. They've got their business. They bring, their, they bring some clients themselves, but of course, they're operating out of 1-300-Smiles. 1-300-Smiles allows those dentists to focus on being the best dentist they can be, building the relationship with those clients, which is all important, and uh, they get remunerated in a way that sort of rewards them to do as much possible work, which is, of course, what 1-300-Smiles wants because they've got operating leverage in the business. If they've right. got a very full and busy clinic, um, they're going to make a lot more profit out of that than uh, if the alternate were the case. Okay. Um, so basically the good news is that the company put its best earnings per share performance this year Mm. ever. So Mm. they've, they've managed to pip their high watermark from the first half of 2006. And then sort of before that, they had a very high, uh, first half in 2013. So there's almost a a three year pattern there when they, they're putting in a new high. So that should give you an idea for the kind of level of growth we're seeing out of the business. It's it's modest. It heads in the right direction, but it's modest. Yep. Uh, the the criticism you'd have of this results would be that it should have been higher growth because they've been doing acquisitions lately, gotcha. and they're getting the full benefit of that.
0: So they're acquiring other dental practices. Yeah, yep.
1: yeah. So basically, the the results sort of tend to imply that there's a, there's a bit of pressure on some of the existing clinics, mm-hmm. given that they're adding in profits through new practices, uh, but they aren't growing. Um, Earnings per share, particularly strongly. Mm-hmm. Having said that, there's also costs around running these acquisitions, and they're according to the letter. You know, they've been very busy working on a big acquisition that's coming up. So you might argue that there's probably been more acquisition-related costs in in the last couple of periods. Yep. Um, to their credit, one three hundred smiles doesn't ask you to exclude those. That's, that's just nice. part of the ongoing business. That is refreshing. Yeah. yeah. Look, the, I look. I think there's been sometimes they've reported in ways that was. Slightly less than ideal, Mm -hmm. but over the course of 10 years, I've been looking at these guys almost. They've... Really stood out for really doing the best they can by shareholders in terms of communicating with them, being fair and honest about what's going on with the business. I get
0: that real sense, really shareholder friendly. And
1: you know they've they've done a great job in terms of outlining the situation in this report. I love to see that they are reporting on the over the counter revenue because that talks about likely basically the amount of demand they're servicing overall. Now that also was um, a new high, which is great to see. Of course, again benefiting from recent acquisitions. That's the other side of that particular coin so is it what's is it still a buy for you or yeah look it's still a buy it's not sort of my bread and butter kind of stock and it's not one that is necessarily right for everyone but for me it's one that i've been accumulating over the years and will continue to do so i think there's a I think there's a high likelihood that they can continue like growing earnings per share in dividends for a very, very long period well, of time. What would you
0: sort of suggest there? Is it sort of a mid, upper single digit kind of rate? If you were to sort of thumb stuck an average over the next I'd sort of five years or so? Mid, or, yeah, mid,
1: a mid rate. Like they increased the dividend by 4% in this yeah. half. Okay. So I think, you know, something like that.
0: And the yield's about 4% or so yeah, now so fully yield, franked.
1: So I'm forecasting a yield at current prices of just a tad over 4% fully okay. frank. Yep. For me So the, that would
0: suggest that would suggest a reasonable price. Well yeah so certainly it's, not expensive. It doesn't seem overly expensive. Maybe not on maybe those not super numbers. cheap either, but
1: the other thing to keep in mind is so for me and other people who pay tax, these franking credits changes that seem quite likely to come in probably won't affect the value of franking credits. Mm-hmm. So if the dividends remain fully frank, that's like essentially equals a uh, pretty much a five point seven percent yield for yep. me. Yep. And given that I'm like more or less happy to sort of be stuck in the stock in terms of owning the capital for a very very long time, mm-hmm. just because I have confidence that um, Daryl Holmes wants to preserve the value of the company, yep. he owns more than half of it. Yep. Um, so I'm confident enough to leave my capital there. So look, it's capital that I can leave there for a long period of time. At the moment, it's paying me about five point seven percent. I expect that to go up with time. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, we'll see what happens. It's, it's probably not the the most obvious. Screaming by you've ever seen, but for me, I quite like having a little bit of my capital sitting there. I think it's a good company. Yeah. I think it makes the world it makes Australia have slightly cheaper dental care. It hits uh, takes a lot of the right a lot boxes of the ethical for...
0: equi- equities kind of. Stuff. In fact, have exactly. you got any content on ethical equities for this?
1: Uh, not for these results; they've just come out. But but, I, but in
0: in germ- we've terms covered of the them company. in the
1: past, and okay. I'll definitely do a write up of these results, which will which will be on the website um, in due course. Awesome.
0: All right, man. Let's let's round this off with a bit of a talk on the economy, property, and I thought it was interesting because you know we are we are in the swing of sort of earnings season, and we've had some very interesting results. I guess what piqued my interest um, this week was Bingo. Do you follow Bingo at all? ASX code BIN. B-I-N? Yeah, yeah, I absolutely have. So these guys basically do uh, waste management, right? They're, these are the these are the porter it, bins that they get dumped out the front of a, of houses. A pretty
1: dirty in- industry too, if uh, four corners is to be believed. Yes, so. uh,
0: there, that is there is a bit of a seedy underbelly there. It, it would
1: seem. Yeah, it a bit. stinks almost. <laughs>
0: But um, they they didn't list, I don't believe it was all that long ago that they did list. They were previously sort of telling the market, because of various things that they were on track, sort of 15, 20% operating profit growth. And then they came out and said, actually, we're going to be flat. And that was a fairly big drop from what what they were saying. And and what was particularly interesting was that they really blamed this on faster than expected softening. I love the word softening. Softening in multi-dwelling residential construction activity. So in other words, it was another data point to suggest that, wow, construction is slowing. And I think we mentioned when we talked property recently, it's, about 9.5% of all jobs in Australia is in the construction industry. So that was a very interesting data point. Shares fell 50%. Meanwhile, you've got another company, Automotive Holdings. These guys own car dealerships, a whole bunch of them. Um, just before we go on oh, yes.
1: to uh, that disaster. Um, Stick also, with this disaster for the time <laughs> yeah, being. Yeah, just also might notice on Bingo, they also said, oh, they couldn't put a price rise through oh, this yes, year, which true. also suggests that they've maxed out pricing power, yep. probably less to do with economic conditions right now that more to do with them having, you know, tried to push it pretty hard, perhaps too hard before. And so, you know, basically... I think that that's probably changed the narrative around this company a fair bit um, you've you got to
0: wonder uh, look again I, I haven't done the work on it but my, my my knee-jerk reaction is is where's a competitive advantage for a company like this from, from a customer's point of view it's like look if you can just dump a bin out the front so I can chuck my stuff away but also that's uh, all, I don't even care what happens to it right just make it go away is, is you don't wouldn't imagine that you have a huge amount of pricing power except for potentially you have some scale advantages and I'm, I've, I haven't read their prospectus but no doubt that was a big argument for, yeah. for the ha, Have you
1: seen role. how like shiny and new a lot of their tracks look lately? No. Did you notice? like So after they listed, they said like did rebranding and then I'm pretty sure they've been investing in sort of giving the trucks a facelift and stuff. Either that or they've been like buying new trucks. Because okay. I think also it may have been a bit of a roll up. Like it had bought. I, th- like, I, I, I mean?
0: want to, again, I'm not so sure but like, like, I want to say it. So rebranded all true.
1: the tracks to bingo and stuff like that. Like I, every time I see like a shiny bin truck, I'm like, is that? branding there for the potential customers or is it for the shareholders <laughs> yeah, right. um, anyway. I do
0: love the name though by the way I think it's I think it's a cool name um, okay on so to uh, automotive well
1: again so was some
0: interesting data points automotive holdings obviously cars uh, are, are massively cyclical they're the archetypal sort of cyclical kind of industry and they and they they were writing down a bunch of um, stuff from their balance sheet hey but don't worry Claude non-cash okay don't
1: have to worry about uh, that. non-cash. I'm, I'm being facetious. So, like, the cash went out the door years ago. Do you know what the hilarious? cash is, is not non-cash. It's like the cash is gone years ago. <laughs> we can't even see the we're tail just end of that we're cash. We're just accepting. Like we've completely <laughs> lost track of where that's gone. And uh, now we should probably admit it to you uh, oh, three a four years later. Do you know what was even more hilarious with
0: these guys is that they came out and sort of said, well, at the time when we made these acquisitions, the market was really, really strong. And so, you know, but now that the cycle has turned that, you know, we just can't Justify were, they, these were they remunerated values.
1: on EPS growth by any I chance? I don't,
0: I don't know, I but I probably, like just probably. Look it up but like here, here's the thing, though: it's just like, it, what director slash management of a of a of the most cyclical kind of um, industry on the planet buys something with the expectation that the cycle will never never turn. Like, if you're having to write it down now, you are basically paying ridiculous prices for it to begin with. Uh, anyway that's that's a different aside but what was interesting of course is they're talking about quote unquote the negative wealth effect from falling prices and and we've and they actually we've seen it with these guys particularly in perth for but a while what makes now you so sure it's but not them
1: just they have a bad business and then they're, they're blaming it on oh they've got the bad businesses map.
0: the logistic refrigeration logistics a bit of a nightmare and, and all the rest of it but they did they did make special mention to sydney and melbourne was like oh that's another interesting data point Call it confirmation bias if you like, uh, one of the two. Um, there was another uh, very interesting data point in in McGrath. So this is very direct, obviously to to property. What a disaster McGrath has well, been! Are
1: you sure it's a disaster? I thought. I think that um, John McGrath's done. Is it that his name? Yeah. Anyway, he, he's done an amazing uh, job to sell it. Pretty much right. He timed at the top. that. Like, he didn't disaster, time that. Disaster. I think this was a. This was almost. A work of art. So <laughs> graceful. I think if I remember correctly, in its prospectus, they were sort of very clearly had in risks, you know, the property market may go down. And indeed, they even somehow like folk like forecasted a little bit yeah, of softening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a masterclass though so,
0: in extracting, like in, in, you know. Yeah, like,
1: and, and honestly, I feel like the transfer of wealth um, to the sellers is unfortunate, but the transfer for wealth away from the people that bought shares is like Mm. entirely appropriate because come on yeah who buys an ipo of a real estate company oh my
0: god after what you know a billion years of of ridiculously high growth
1: anyway anyway it's like leveraged to the property market in this sort of crazy way. And then Massively I think there were warning signs obviously. as well. Like they started losing France. Like, agents losing-
0: were walking out the door. They exactly. couldn't hang on to their agents. You've, so
1: you've the- got this absolute exodus. It's been nothing since bad news oh. since it was sold. They like, did
0: some write downs. They built all this IT that was, they spent three and a half million on IT this- that turned out to be useless that they've written down. And, look, and-
1: I can get it if, um, I can totally sympathize with value investors when there's they're looking at some sort of business um, and they're saying, oh, you know, surely all the, bad news is priced in now surely it's all priced in now fair enough oh, but most value investors are also like bearish on the property market right. so I just don't know why anyone would be uh, looking for this it, it this play, crazy. and I gotta so. wonder too. Do you reckon
0: I? I don't know. I, I, I do really doubt there's any brand value in here. Like when you're Come on. when you're looking for an agent to sell your house, I, maybe that the actual agent themselves have some brand if they've got a good reputation <laughs> locally. But you know, does the does the agency itself? I don't know. Um, the shares are down ninety percent since they listed uh, not that long ago. And so it wasn't, so obviously they're talking about weakness in the property market, but it, so not double whammy here. So sales volumes are falling and the prices are falling, so therefore commissions are falling as well absolute disaster despite all of that i wouldn't go near it with um a barge pole i wouldn't buy it with your money um it i i reckon the net cash value actually maybe not just the cash value per share is about nine cents so maybe if it drops down to there i might be interested yeah and
1: if anyone else is interested in like losing money on real estate companies yellow brick road is also still trading on the stock exchange uh now down to seven cents
0: oh man what a disaster that one's been as well
1: um look at some point, I guess, you know, someone makes money out of these stocks because they get priced below the value of their assets, assuming you can get your hands on the assets. It's
0: cigar butt type investing, yeah, really, look, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. You so know. the
1: Benjamin Graham people out there, there you go. You Keep your eye on the property space. those
0: So, look, there's a whole bunch of other examples. I thought one that was particularly interesting was car sales. So they've uh, they had some res- results out so there. There's. there's uh, Growth had slowed a little bit here. And again, they were sort of talking to sort of weakness within the, the property market and, and the wealth effect there. So I just, one of these things that was interesting, we, we get a lot of this data directly from the likes of domains and realestate.coms and all of this other kind of stuff. We know that property price has been coming down, but it seems as though it's having, uh, as you would expect, more of an impact in in corporate earnings. And that's been more noise as being made about it of course bear in mind here as well it is a handy excuse and I've, I've got no doubt that plenty of retailers will be pointing towards it for companies that probably are not well run anyway jb hi-fi i notice, has bucked the trend of this and they, they um uh, so it's a good counter example here but anyway uh, just just an interesting topic okay, I and but one, my
1: one two cents on that yes. is um the other the latest thing is property developers are. Offering to pay your mortgage payments <laughs> for the first year. If that doesn't reek of desperation, <laughs> I don't know yeah, what it does. Gosh. So buckle up, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's definitely not stopping anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, we should definitely... Pro- well, God, I hope my bloody puts pay off one day. I mean, you've got a strong um,
0: thesis. You know, the banks are the ones that will be interesting. I mean, they're the ones that are, what, 38 38- percent of the market or something like that when when it's, that starts to sort of roll through there if it does that's when it's going to really get very real
1: on a broader level you know it's not going to be fun if we fall into recession um but i just don't want to like lose a lot of money on it yeah, and yeah i want t- to be in a position to make money so i'm increasingly mentally preparing myself for that yeah and it's I looking think, more sorry. and more likely at least we're going to a property price proper res- property price, you know, disinflation is happening. we use the word softening?
0: A softening. A slight softening. Well, look,
1: they've got a long way to come down. Like, people think, oh, 20% is a lot, but it just takes you back to levels that also still meant that... you know, young Australians couldn't buy a house by the time they were, yeah. you know, 35. Yeah. So I think that it could definitely fall more. But I mean, it's not so much, you know, a nice house in a nice area is probably not so bad. It's just these flammable apartments that we've talked <laughs> about before. flammable boxes in the Yeah, sky. the flammable boxes in the sky. Yeah. I would not want to be owning them and any sort of part of the economy that relies on the continuous construction and sale of those things yeah. is probably in trouble and yeah we might see a bit of this wealth effect stuff but hey look also you know we we may find that government you know especially if there's a change of government labor's known for like liking to have the odd sort of big public spending program yep public spending program could be just what we need to sort of soften any impact from construction slowing down and mining stays strong right now as well yeah. so oh, yeah, that's it's not I mean, too Australia's bad
0: done that, that's been the story of australia over recent decades really so when when troubles come along there's something else that kind of softens the blow for us the
1: best thing that could happen is that the property prices get back down to um much more affordable levels because what that's going to do then is first of all a, there'll be a bit of intergenerational equity, but also, you know, businesses have to pay rents or buy property in order to operate. Yeah. So having high property prices, it's this huge tax on um, activity, Pro- such as business activity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where and it, and it just goes to sort of the rent the, you know, the landlords of yeah. this world. You're going to say rent seekers, then, weren't you? Yeah. Well, look, I mean, <laughs> I actually am yeah. a landlord. Um, yeah. Well. It would be a great thing longer term to have lower property prices, much more in line with like sort of the average of the OECD versus incomes. I think it'll just be better for us yeah. as a society.
0: Yeah, there is definitely that dimension to it. I think if, if, if just for before we wrap up here, just for um, to be careful here in case we've put the fear of God into everyone and you know calling Armageddon and all. of I this don't kind think anyone stuff, takes us that seriously. I don't think, which is good. That's that's a that's a very good starting point if you're listening to this podcast, but you know, um, as you've mentioned before, as, as I and Matt have mentioned before, we're, we're very much, you know, pretty much close to to fully invested uh, in the market. So it's not about sort of, I think, here's the trouble with a lot of this stuff. There's a lot of smart, articulate people who have made a very bearish case for a very long time and have just been very wrong. So what's hard is the timing aspect of it. And so what we're d- certainly not saying here is, you know, sell everything and run, run to the hills. Um, but it is very much having a very Good think about the kind of companies you hold and the kind of exposures that they might have and how they may handle any kind of sluggishness, softness, if you will, in the wider economy.
1: It's definitely better to think about it in advance of a recession anyway, rather than once it's all happening.
0: hundred percent. Listen, let's wrap it up there, Claude. Thank you very
1: much for your time. Thanks, mate. It's been fun. And don't forget, we'll be covering as many earnings results as we can on ethical equities in the coming couple of weeks. Nice. And Ra- Andrew, will you be uh, doing a guest post again for us? Uh, look, mate, I would. I, w- Yes. Awesome. Great. So I look forward to <laughs> Andrew's take on Nanosonics. Yes, I'll give you a good wrap up of Nanosonics. Yes, yeah, for sure. I know you own that one. Remember to, uh, if you
0: like what we're doing and you want us to keep doing it, what really helps us is if you leave a nice rating uh, and a few nice comments there, spread the word. It is very much appreciated. But until next week, my name's Andrew Page and thanks for listening. Thanks, guys.